you and we love you some more. Thank you, Lord, for waking us up today. My Bible, your Bible, tells me when I woke up today, I was on God's mind. Your word says that your thoughts are on us. Your thoughts are for us. And you're with us today. Lord, thank you for the privilege once again to stand behind this sacred desk. Bless Randy and Pam today as you're taking some refreshing. They will be back with us next week. We love them. We miss them. Strengthen them, Lord God. But Lord, I take the authority that's mine. I bind up the enemy. I send him to dry places. He got nothing to do with me. I got nothing to do with him. I'm a child of the most high God. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now we love you today and we love each other. Give us favor. Bless your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Turn around, tell somebody God's got something for you. You know, I, I am uh, open. I am open, Pastor Jimmy, to God changing my message at times. But he usually tells me first. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's good. Hey, just a couple little uh, things from last week. Uh, a couple of people came out to me and they, they let me know that they were they were widowers or widows, uh, widows, and uh, their mate had died. And, and you know what? I just want to say this: that you are released. You fulfilled your obligation. Amen. Move on. That's right. And other people have come out to me and they said, you know, Pastor Vic, uh, I think I'm called a celibacy. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Do you think about women? They go, yeah. And I go, you ain't called. <laughs> it's just that simple, okay? God is not the author of confusion or frustration. You need to pray for a wife. You need to pray for a husband. Okay. Okay, also, something else uh, very, very uh, special and important. We have a wonderful pastor, Pastor Randy and Pam. They're just the best. They really are. And this month, we celebrate 27 years of Randy being the senior pastor at the helm of our ship here. Let's just thank the Lord for that. Uh, go ahead, while he's away, go ahead and, and, and email him, send him a card, and let's just let him know how much we appreciate his leadership and all that he's doing. Amen? Amen, Victor. Okay. Buckle up. Let's see where this goes, okay? Uh, this, is, this is a very uh, powerful portion of Scripture. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Um, the title is called My Doing. It's something that we all need to thank God for his leadership, his example, and his path to how to handle adversity, circumstances, and disappointments. Amen. Amen. I love the Bible. You know I love the Bible. I shared with you extensively last week. It doesn't whitewash anything. It says what it means. It's real. It transcends time and it transcends culture. And it's relevant for this moment. The Bible is alive in real time. Amen. Amen. Victor. Matthew 24 says, heaven and earth shall pass away. What's it say? Okay, is Jimmy's at it again? Okay, here we go. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will never pass away. God's word is forever and eternal. Amen. We live in an ever-changing, undependable world. Only the Bible can we only completely depend on. It's all we have. Amen. Say with me, the Bible is all I have. All right, good stuff. The book of Job is an amazing literary masterpiece. It's been said if all the books in all the world had to be destroyed and only one could be kept, they say it would be the book of Job for its poetic beauty and wisdom. It's marvelous. The way that it's written, the way that it's phrased, everything about it is just magnificent, as is God. Amen? It's an interesting book, very interesting book. It has an, it's absent of any reference to literary uh, Hebrew history or Mosaic law. The date is uncertain, time of Abraham. The author, anonymous, probably Job or Moses. We're not really sure, but I'm sure if I go back in Larry Wayne's office, I'll be able to figure it out, okay? And <laughs> he's got all that stuff in there. The place, the land of Uz, Edom. Job's background is Aramaic, Aramaic rather than Hebrew, and he refers to God as Shaddai, the Almighty, rather than Jehovah. There are four, four literal, physical encounters with the devil in the Bible. 
four literal, physical encounters with the devil. Spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. Adam and Eve, Job, Jesus, 40 days, wilderness wandering. When he was in there, the devil tempted him. And Judith. Bible says, Jesus, Jesus said, had I not picked you 12, is not one of you what? The devil. He said it. And he says that that night, that devil entered him. And so I want you to know the importance of us looking at this today. This is the most unbelievable step-by-step demonstration and illustration played out in front of us of spiritual warfare. I want you to know, folks, that the enemy has asked to sift you like wheat. Remember when he told Peter at the very end? He says, Peter, the enemy has asked this day to sift you like wheat. And what Jesus say? I prayed for you. For me, I don't want a little bit more. That's it. The devil's after me. Prayer. Okay. Prayer is all we need, folks. Amen. Amen, Victor. In the book of Job, we wrestle with the age-old universal question of humankind. That all of you as a Christian has been asked one way or the other. In sincerity or insincerity, somebody has said to you this. If God is just and loving, come on, right? Has anybody said that to you? If God is just and loving, why does he permit the righteous to suffer? Tell that person next to you, God is just and righteous right now. Just in case you forget. In the text that Jimmy read us this morning, powerful, 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 the sons of God, angels, coming before the Lord, before God, and the enemy, the devil, came, roaming to and fro, back and forth on the earth, and God gives him the most wonderful, wonderful, wonderful description. Have you considered my servant Job? None like him. He's upright. He fears God and he shuns evil. What a beautiful description. What a thing to be said about you from the God of the universe himself. There's a couple names in the Bible that I love so much. One is that... Uh, uh, David was a man after God's own heart. John was his beloved. Moses was his chosen. What do you think he'd say? Uh, Victor, uh, he's my son. Okay. I like him. I let him stay around. Okay. Hallelujah. So I want you to know that we're going to look at a few tests this morning. Life is a test, folks. And there's no rehearsal. You don't get to practice for it. You don't get to warm up for it. You wake up and you live your life day by day. Amen. Ready or not, this is it. There's not a second one coming around the corner except the eternal life with Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen, Victor. There's two tests I want us to read this morning. Jimmy, you, you and Job? Job. Jimmy's going to help me. I'll get it right this time. Watch. <laughs> Job 1, 6 through 22 says, uh, Job's first test, one day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is none, there is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you put, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and he will surely curse you to his face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the, don and the donkeys were grazing nearby, and the Sabaeans attacked and carried them off. They put the servants to, to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the sky and burned up the sheep and the servants, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and carried them off. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. 
While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When, the, when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I am the only one who escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up and tore his robe, shaved his head, then fell to the ground in worship. He said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart or return. Then, one, then the, Lord, the Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Wow. 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 While one description was being given to him of something happened, another one came. You talk about punch in the face, punch in the face, punch in the throat, punch in the chest, punch in the gut. Boom, bang, pow. Sometimes that's how life comes out. This is the first test. And the Bible says right here, in all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. Jimmy, read the next test. Job 2, 1 through 10. And can we turn these lights off right here? Right here, somebody? Go ahead. Job 2. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself, to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered to the Lord, from roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is, a, he is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. And he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. But stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones and he will surely curse you. To your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the top of his head. Then he took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself as, with it as he sat among the ashes. His wife said to him, Are you still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. He replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? In all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Frightening, unbelievable, unbelievable. The Bible says that Satan is accuser of the brethren. The Bible says that Jesus ever lives to intercede on the throne for us. Jesus now has become our great intercessor. And I want you to know the enemy has one goal, and that's to accuse you. That's to say that you aren't worthy, to say that, 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 that you're not real, to say that what you're doing for God doesn't really count. And I want you to know, go ahead and agree with them. You know why? Satan tries to point, point out to me all my sins. I say, man, you don't even know the half of them. Okay, and all my, that's right, I'm not going to make it a fist fight, I'm not going to get in a back and forth right now, because you know what, the Bible tells me that when he contested the body of Moses, what happened? The angel uh, Gabriel said, the Lord rebuke you. We do not struggle against the enemy. We don't fight against him. We declare the blood of Jesus. Amen. We just declare that we are children under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is amazing what happened. I'm going somewhere. I want to show you. It's so important. All these things that happened. Now, um, we know what Jimmy just read was so unbelievable. This is the, the fight that's taking place right there in, in heaven uh, for Job's life. And now we read right here that Job had three friends. Job 2, 1 through 11. Right here, bring it up, Christina. I'll take this one. Okay. When Job's three friends, this guy, that guy, and the other guy, heard about the trouble that had come upon them, they set out from their home to meet together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him because, and they began to weep and tear their clothes and their robes and sprinkle dust on their heads. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights and no one said a word because they saw how great his suffering was. They sat on the ground and didn't say a word for seven days because they saw how great his suffering was. Job 3, 1 through 26. I'm not going to read all of it. It's a lot. 
Job speaks up and he says, after this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. May the day of my birth perish in the night that said a boy is conceived. That day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. My gloom, may gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May, may blackness overwhelm it. The night may thicknessize. May it not be included among the days of the years be entered in any of the months. And then go to the next one, Christina. I want to skip ahead. He says, he says right here, why did I not, in verse 11, I want to skip ahead. Why did, we, why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? Why was there knees to receive me and breasts that I might be nursed? For now I'd be lying down in peace and I would be asleep and at rest. And then he comes down and, and, he, and I'll stop right there. And he just goes on and on and on in his anguish. I want you to know, that it's okay to have questions today. It's okay to question God and to be anguish, ang in anguish and despair and to say to God, why? Why, God? How many of you in here today have thrown your hands to heaven and looked up and asked God, why? Come on, haven't you? And it's okay. It's what we're supposed to do. He's our father. We can talk to him. My kids say why all the time, okay? When they were growing up, do this, why? Because I'll smack you if you don't. No, I'm kidding. Okay, <laughs> okay. We all got whys in our life. God doesn't do that. Bad Victor, I'm sorry. I drifted. Okay. Yay, okay. And, and it's so amazing. And what he says right here, and look at verse 3, 25 and 26. What I feared has come upon me. What I dread has happened to me. I have no peace. I have no quiet. I have no rest, only turmoil. I want you to know this morning, my brothers, my sisters, and my friends, each and every one of us have something that we dread, some kind of fear. I'll be honest with you. My wife, Sarah, right here. I won't pick on her today. I got in a lot of trouble last week. Okay, not from her, from everybody. Yes, he's begun Sarah. She's my best. I worried about the streets, when my, not the streets that I grew up in, <laughs> I made them out of there, okay? But I worried about my kids playing in the street. I never let my kids play in the street. I, I, right, Sarah? I just didn't want it. You know, we lived at Sarah when we got a fourth, when Sammy came into the world. Uh, we found a house across the street from a park and, and that's where they played. But I had this fear about the street. And I'll just be honest, did anybody else have fears? We all have one. And that was one that always bothered me. I still don't like to see kids playing in the street. And it was a fear. And thank goodness that none of that has ever came upon me. But I will say something, a little caveat to that. Both of my sons, Sammy and Carl, were in traffic control. And Sam's out of it now. But Carl plays in the streets every night. He plays in traffic. When I was a kid, people would say, hey, go play in the traffic. Anybody ever say that to you? Not you? Okay, me. Okay, right? They probably told you to go play in the playground. They told me to go play in the streets. Okay, go play in the traffic. Chase that car. See if you can catch it. Okay? But it was one of the fears. And all of us have some kind of fear, right? Something now, and let's be honest. And you know that they say that 90% of what you fear and what you worry about never happens. And how many of you worry about something? You're all liars. Come on. You don't worry about anything? Oh, come on. Help me, help me. Maybe I'm in the wrong place. Okay. <laughs> I have no peace. I have no rest. I have no quiet. Only turmoil. I want you to know that Job right here is in complete mental anguish and depress. And life could hit tilt real easy, folks, for every one of us. These circumstances and things we're talking about this morning, any one of us could end up on tilt. We could end up with some mental problems. We can end up with some insecurities. And that's why we need the word of God. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to saturate ourselves and be under the blood of Jesus and know that we have the mind of who? Christ. Unbelievable. The mind of Christ is in this thing? Come on. It's not my deal. God made the deal. I accept. Thank you, Jesus, very much. Amen. He also lives in my heart. Amen. Come on, help me. These are all the things that we get. These are the benefits of being a Christian, of being a son of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Victor. And now his three friends, which I call the three stooges, okay, after seven days and seven nights and not saying a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was, no words 
just love, sympathetic, empathy, friends. I want you to know some of the best advice, best counsel that you can ever give is just being there, is not saying a word. I have gone in the ministry some horrible situations where a man was just killed, a bunch of kids, uh, an accident at work, going to the house, just everything's upside down, unbelievable. And you know what I've learned to do? Talk to the little kids a little bit, go in the kitchen, hey, can I make a pot of coffee? Make a pot of coffee, order some pizzas. Don't say nothing, just be there. Just be there. When these seven men were there and sat with him for seven days, they were his best friends in the universe. They were doing what God has called us to do. And we can console people by just our presence. Come on. And we always, always think we have to say something. And we don't. And we're going to talk about that. And in Job 4, chapter 4 to 31, don't worry, I'm not going to try to read any of it, okay? But I want you to know that they went on for 27 long, laborious, grinding, heart-pounding chapters of telling Job what he did wrong. Telling Job, well, God is wonderful and great, and certainly he would never allow something to happen to somebody unless, I'm just going to paraphrase it like Victor, unless you're a loser, okay? Unless you're a sinner. God certainly would not allow, when you had this, you didn't do that. When you did this, you didn't do that. 27 chapters, they berate him, they beat him up, and they all say all the things that God would do and all the things that God wouldn't do. And they all say all the things that Job didn't do, and because what he didn't do, God did this. Oh my goodness, do you know the audacity? Do you know the guts that it takes to speak for the Lord? You be careful when you say, thus saith the Lord. Amen? You need to be careful. And these guys do this for 27 chapters. And if you haven't read it, you need to read it because it'll wear you out. Okay? And they go on, and they go on, and they go on. Although... The words of Job's three friends are recorded in the scripture. Everything they said is not true, not even close. The Holy Spirit recorded their words, but did not inspire them. You hear me? We can say things. When people get a lot of time, Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that, get a little nervous. Get just a little bitty nervous, okay? They said, just like I told you last week, when I, with my wife, when I say, hey, I'm, when I say, I'm, uh, she says, just because you're talking doesn't mean I'm listening, okay? And the other thing I want to say to that is just because you're talking and you're a Christian doesn't mean God told you to say that. Be careful. We're going to talk about that some more. Amen. I'll give you five bucks later, whoever that one was, okay? <laughs> we need to be so careful, careful, careful what we say to someone who is going through a life changing, challenging crisis. Amen? At the end of the book, God himself stated that much of what they had spoken was not right. Christina, thank you, Christina, everybody. Uh, after the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz and Telemite, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant, Job has. Frightening. Frightening. When God comes and calls you out and tells you, I'm angry with you, what you said this morning, you make a mental note of that. You be so careful that you're not in that spot. But my servant Job, the one that you talked about for 27 chapters, the one that you said did know me, he's going to get you off the hook, and I'll show you about it later, okay? At the, uh, you see, the basis of their theology and their viewpoint of these three counselors was defective. They believe that truly righteous will always proper, prosper, while sinners will always suffer. They believed that poverty and suffering was always impl implied sinfulness, while, while prosperity and success always implied righteousness. 
Not true. No way. No how. James 2, 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has God not, has God not chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be what? Rich in faith and to inherit what? The kingdom he has promised to those who love him. That's a beautiful, beautiful verse. In the eyes of this world, they might be poor. But in the eyes of God, they are rich. You know what bank book I want? I want the bank book of the kingdom of God. Amen. I want my wealth in heaven. Help me. Come on. We have this way. We are defective like, everybody, like these guys were. And they judge everything by outward appearance. That's why the religious leaders missed Jesus. They didn't like the package. They didn't like the way he looked. They didn't like the way he talked. They, he wasn't rich enough. He didn't care about money. He didn't care about anything. And it irritated them. In their eyes, he was poverty. Bible says that though he was rich, he became poor for you and me. Jesus became poor for Victor, for you. He divested himself. He emptied himself of all the heavenly things to represent yours truly. We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. We are the apple of his eye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 19, 17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward him Reward them for what they have done. Daniel said in his prayer, God doesn't need no money. He doesn't need nothing from us. That was right, Daniel. I want you to know today, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. This is what he says. And he will reward him, them for what they have done. I want you to know this morning that our pastor is kind to the poor. Pastor Randy, one day, 13 years ago, him and I are coming back from the gym, getting out of our cars, and he hit me like he does sometimes. He goes, Vic. And he pointed across the parking, the, the field right there to the old athletic club. And he says, you know what, Vic? He goes, someday, we're gonna buy that club. Me and Randy used to go there. He goes, we're gonna buy that club, and we're gonna make it a house, a place where people can come and get free medical. We're going to feed people. We're going to educate people. We're going to do all the things that Jesus wants us to do. And he goes, I don't know how we're going to do it. And I go, me neither. And he says, but we're going to do it. I said, okay. I just do what he says. Okay. And I'll tell you what, do you know that Pastor Randy missed that by, I went and looked at it the other day. He missed it by 300 feet. 300 feet over is the impact center. Pastor Randy pointed to that, and I want you to know, folks, we give to the poor. And God is rewarding us like you wouldn't believe. This week, somebody gave us, uh, uh, last month, somebody gave us two parcels behind a senior building and, and, and a building, and because we had a person walking around that had mental illness and popped 42 tires in this neighborhood, walked around, it was on the news and everything, and on account of that, uh, the city and, and, and the partners that we have with the building, there's funds in there, we need a new parking lot, and they bought it for us. They bought it for us, bought it for us, it's ours, it's going to have lights, and you know why? And I'll tell you what, there's some other things coming that Pastor Randy tell you about. God is rewarding those who take care of the poor. Amen? Amen, Victor. Do you love me? You know the deal. You got to love me to go to heaven. You don't go, I don't go, you don't love me. I'm not going to let you blow my deal. It's a package deal, folks. We signed up together. Amen? Kind of a bummer, huh? A lot of responsibility. Some of you aren't that easy to love, and neither am I, okay? Sometimes we love each other from a distance. Help me out. Hey, how are you? Yeah, okay. Right. I hope you don't get hit by a bus. Okay. okay. Hey, was that out loud? Okay. Okay. Hey. All right, all right, all right. Stop it, Victor. We had a great picnic yesterday. Anyway. <laughs> Wasn't that good? Okay. Job replied. Look at this in verse 16, 1 through 5. Read it. That's talking to me, okay? <laughs> hey, my little notes in there, okay? I also got, calm down, okay? So, 
I have heard many things like these, you miserable comforters. Oh, I just like it. He had to be Italian. Okay, right there, man. You miserable comforters. And you're ugly too. No, okay. You miserable comforters, all of you. Will your long-winded speeches never end? What ails you that you keep on arguing and also I could speak like you if I was in, if you were in my place, could make fine speeches against you and shake my head at you? Come on. How many of you dread the head shake? When you're talking to somebody, oh man. I hate the head shake and I hate the wiggle finger. Okay. You know what I'm talking about. Okay. My mouth would encourage you and comfort from my lips would bring you relief. His three buddies come there and they talk to him for all that time and everything and he gets fed up to hear. Have you ever been in this situation when somebody just keeps talking to you and talking to you and they, they're talking, but you ain't listening, like I said, and they're talking about you, but it ain't you because they're talking what they think and what they feel and they are far away from God. Come on. Have you ever been in that situation? Have you ever been that person? You better catch yourself. The Bible says, in many words, there's much what? Sin. <laughs> okay. It says, you don't know that one? Okay. You need to get that one down, written down. Say it with me. In many words, there is much sin. You know that the more you talk, the more you hang yourself sometime, huh? Come on. How many of you have the ability to put both feet in your mouth at one time? You should be in Circus Soleil. Come on, help me. Okay. Watch this guy. I keep talking. Okay. But my mouth would encourage you. Comfort would come from my lips. They would bring you relief. When we talk, we need to bring comfort. We need to bring relief. We need to be careful what these lips say. David said in the Psalms, Lord, set a watch over the doorpost of my mouth that I might not sin against thee. When I learned that one time, I was learning it in Pastor Grant. Some of you remember him. You may remember him, Larry Ben. And I said, Pastor, I'm telling God to set a watch over the doorpost of my mouth that I might, you know what he said to me? Grant was real bruff and real rash. He goes, how about Victor puts a watch over the doorpost of his mouth? How about Victor watches what he said? And I went, I hate when he put it that way, okay? He's right. I need to put a watch over the doorpost of my mouth. I need to make certain that my lips don't sin against you. Come on, help me, okay? Who's responsible for these things? Me, okay? Okay, we'll get going, we'll get going. And not only our lips, we live in another days now where something even mightier than the lips are around. They are awesome. They are ominous. They are scary. They are frightful. They are dangerous. They're your thumbs. My thumbs have the ability to get on a phone or a laptop or my fingers. Say whatever I feel like. Help me. It's awful quiet in here. Feel all alone up here. Okay. We live in a time now where we don't even have to think about it. We say what we want. We put people down. We beat things up. And we say what we think is the way it should be. Help me. Come on. Am I all alone? We need to be careful. Guard your lips. Guard your thumb. Guard your fingers. I'm not feeling the love. <laughs> Where's the love? More happened. Yeah, thank you for your gratuitous response. I appreciate <laughs> um, More happened to Job in one day at one time than anybody else ever. You see, sometimes trouble knocks on the door. Sometimes it blows the whole house down. And you don't know when it's coming. You don't have any idea. It just happens. Job, in John 16, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me here on earth. You will have many what? And many what? But take what? Because I have overcome the world. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You need to remind yourself all the time. You already win. You're already an overcomer. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Hallelujah. I know I'm old school. Some people go, what is that? What's that thing he has up there? 
It's called paper and it's called pen, okay? Because remember, you know, I was a functional literate, I was 27, and uh, I'm kind of glad, in a way, I'm not very good with this stuff, okay? Christina, come and help me. Sarah, help me. <laughs> anyway. Job says in, in Job 5, 7, yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Look what, what Job lost that day. First, he lost his security his safety. Secondly, he lost his wealth, all his possessions, his ox, his camels, his donkeys, his money. Thirdly, he lost his job, his livelihood. He was a herdsman. Fourthly, he lost his loved ones, his sons, his daughters, his friends, his relatives, and his workers. And then just for fun, he comes down with a catastrophic uh, illness. The Bible said that the Lord allowed Satan to inflict his body but not kill him. Do you know that Satan has no restraints? He took him with one inch of his life. He inflicted him with every cancer, with every known disease to man, from the bottom of his feet to the top of his head. He cannot restrain himself except the hand of God restrained him. Restrained him. He lost the absolute joy and the pleasure that his wife had faith and confidence in him. It's one of the big things he lost that day. Job 2, 9, his wife said to him, Jimmy read it, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. Remember last week when I told you about Luke, go to that Christina, that verse right there, that in the last days, husband against wife, wife against husband. This wasn't supposed to happen. Husband and wife are never supposed to give up on one another. The situation was so overwhelming that his wife tells him, are you holding on your integrity? Just go kill yourself. I've had bad days and I've come home and I've told my sweet Sarah how bad they are. And she's told me, oh, honey, I'll go take a shower, go upstairs, go take a swim, go do something. She never told me, why don't you go up on the roof and jump? Why don't you get some of that rope I keep tripping on and hang yourself? Help me. This is what the Bible says. Don't you love the Bible? Don't you know how honest it is? Come on, ladies. Have you all felt like that, telling your husband something you know you shouldn't tell him? Come on, help me. Maybe not kill yourself, but why don't you go jump in the lake, okay? Why don't you go get busy someplace? Go play in the traffic, okay? <laughs> I'm smart. I'll salute. I bet you can't wait for Randy to get back, right? Okay. <laughs> Randy, come back quick. <laughs> The ship is going down. Mayday, mayday. Okay. And then he lost his peace and his sanity. I call these the seven pillars, the subjects that Job dealt with. That These are the pillars. These are the foundations of our everyday life. Our home. We all want to have a home. We all need a place to live. And we live right now in some ever-changing times that are just out of control. Housing is through the roof. People can't even afford to rent an apartment anymore. My son's lease just expired, and it went for $500. Come on, anybody? If you don't own a home right now, you know, it used to be renting an apartment was cheaper owning a home. It's the best deal in the world right now because nobody can, can change it on you. Uh, uh, his home security and safety. We all want home security and safety. His money, his finances. The stock market's been tanking for eight weeks now. Help me. We're living in this. It's going down. You saw your, you have a 401k? Don't look, okay? Just don't look. Turn the other way. Avert your eyes, all right? Uh, things are bad right now. Jobs. People are quitting their jobs like crazy. It's just all these different things. Relationships with your children and your family and your friends. These are all the things that matter the most. Marriage and divorce is, are, are rampant right now. And, and, and he, his marriage was, was pretty much on the rocks. Our health and our well-being, our sickness. And then finally, Finally, peace and serenity, like I talked about. I meet with people by myself, sometimes with Sarah, couples a lot. If you need help, we're here. And I always ask people when I start talking to them a couple questions. Tell me, what is new in your life? Has anything happened recently in your life? Have you moved, bought a house, job, anything? And I start asking them some questions. 
And I look for these seven pillars when I ask them these questions that we're talking about. You see, if two or more of these happen in one year, these life-changing events has taken place, it's probably the reason why you're having marital problems. It's probably the reason why you're having problems on your job. It's probably the reason why you've gone back to drinking or you've gone back to this or you're doing something because life has changed. Things have happened overnight and your world has been flipped upside down and if you're not anchored and you can be, it can happen to a Christian. He was upright, feared God and shunned evil and he had a hard time with it. Come on. Nobody gets the report Job gets. All right, it can happen to you and it can happen to me. One time when I was getting ready to have my shoulder fixed, oh, I'll tell you, oh my goodness. I was getting ready to take off some time to have my shoulder repaired and uh, my best friend Larry Smith, my, I get a call on Wednesday that my brother Anthony was died from an overdose of heroin five blocks down the street from here. And they were thinking, trying to see if it's a murder or an or a, a overdose. Three days later, I get a phone call. My best friend, Bell Captain Larry Smith, shoots himself in the back of the flamingo. My, my dearest friend, Rob, he's dying from liver cancer, a guy I grew up with. And then my buddy's wife, she's, she died. She was the only Christian in there. But I want to tell you what, with me being sick and all my friends dying, I got fuzzy. Help me. I'm talking to you this morning as a brother as a pastor, as a man of God who's telling you we need to be on the alert for what takes place in our minds. Help me. What the world brings into our hearts. What happens when things go wrong. And they will, won't they? I'm starting to scare myself. I'm frightened. So what do we do? You need to take inventory. First thing you need to do, you need to say, you need to take responsibility. You need to say, how did this happen? Figure it out. Check it out. Talk about it with yourself, with your family. Why did this happen? I was involved in something, I did something, or I allowed somebody to do something, or something I didn't know about took place. Did I have anything to do with it? Big deal, right here. You find out. What hurts me the most today is a lot of Christians, a lot of people, I'm not judging the world. I got nothing to do with judging the world, okay? They don't think like me because they're not supposed to. You know why I think different? Because a person lives inside of me. His name is Jesus, amen? That's why I think different, okay? Do I have anything to do with this? I don't see a lot of remorse in Christians sometimes, and it bothers me, all right? And what can I do about it if there's anything I can do? If there's something I could do, I'm going to do it. You know what else we say? If you pray about it, what? Don't worry about it. Come on, help me. Nobody likes that one, okay? I want to pray about it and worry about it just for fun, okay? All right? Have I taken responsibility for my part in this situation in my life. Amen? Am I getting help? And do I have a path to victory? Amen, Victor. You see, if there's anything we learn from Job is that nothing, absolutely nothing, can come into our lives unless it clears the desk of God. Good or bad, I must say, this is your doing. This is your doing, God. I've examined everything and I've come to the conclusion that you've allowed this in my life for your reason. Your reason. Like you did with Job. Like you did with Jesus. That you allowed Jesus to be tempted for 40 days for the enemy to come and challenge him at his weakest moment. God, this was your doing. Amen? Amen. Look at Romans you have allowed this for my benefit to accomplish your will in my life. Look at Romans 8.28. We know it all the time. Mike said it. Barbara says it all the time. We know that in all things, God is working for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his what? Purpose. All things. And what's Pastor Barbara say? It all ain't good. Why, it's working. Come on. Help me. It's not. Sometimes it's messy, it's clumsy, it's painful, and you can't wait to get out of it. Help me. Come on, right? 
Put a helmet on, okay? James 1.4, look at this. I hate this verse. Don't strike me dead, Lord. Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your what? Faith produces what? Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and lacking nothing. Horrible verse. Horrible. You know why it's horrible? Because I'm responsible. Help me. Nobody likes to be responsible, okay? I have to consider it pure joy. When I go out, there's a flat tire. I say, oh, thank you, Lord. Maybe I can get a ticket when I get this tire fixed, okay? Come on, help me, all right? And just for fun, maybe I'll run out of gas before I get home. Okay, help me, come on, come on. Am I the only person that's negative in here? Come on, help me, help me, come on. I need some love, I need some help. Come on, come on, give it to me, man. I need it, bring it in. We don't do this, do we? Oh man, I'm gonna be late. Oh, you know, I need to come. Okay. Where's that part? Calm down. Okay. I got that in every page. Okay. My wife's always telling me, calm down. Okay. Complete, lacking, nothing. We serve a perfect God. We serve a perfect God. Hallelujah. Isaiah 5, 8, 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Hallelujah. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that you can't figure out? Aren't you glad that your, God, that your God's ways are higher than your ways and are beyond finding out? I don't want a God I can figure out. Help me. If I could figure him out, I'll manipulate him. Help me. I told you why God uh, created a man last, right? So he didn't take all the credit for making the world, right? Remember I told you that, right? When something happens to me in my life, once again, I must say this is your doing. I must ask, what are you perfecting in me? What do you think God was perfecting in Job and the three stooges? I think it was that Job and his three friends felt that their their righteousness and their lack of sin made them perfect. No way, no how. Look out for self-righteousness. Romans 3, 22 and 24. I know I read a lot of scriptures, but if I didn't, you shouldn't trust me. If I can't prove it from the word, it ain't so. Help me, help me. Say amen. We love you, Victor. Okay, okay. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who what? Just believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For, and this was a big deal for Paul to put this. People hated him and wanted to kill him over this. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And, are, and all are justified freely by the grace through the redemption that came through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. His ways are not our ways. Amen. Hallelujah. And then he says right here, look at this. 1 Corinthians 12. And I love that right there. How many of that's been you before? Come on, help me. So you think, so if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Remember I told you last week, I said this first too. When somebody thinks they're standing and they think they got all together, somebody needs to yell what? Timber. Boom. They're going to fall. Now, we're almost done. The Lord says to Job, chapter 40, verse 1 through 5. Unbelievable. This is where it gets heavy. No, Christina. Job 40, 1 through 5. Oh, it is Job 40, 1 through 5. Oh, go, go back, Christina. I'm sorry, I, I missed one. Job 38, 39. These are all the chapters. I'm not going to read a lot, I promise you, Okay. Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm and said, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man and I will question you and you will sh shall answer me. That should have been enough to kill him right there. Could you ever want God to say, don't make me come over there? Huh? Come on, help me. Okay. 
Where were you? Look at this. He goes, brace yourself like a man. I will ask you some questions. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off the dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out the measuring line across it? Oh, on what were the footings set? Or who laid a cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. Skip. Who shut up the sea behind the doors when it birthed forth from the womb? When I made the clouds as garments and wrapped them in thick darkness. When I fixed the limits and set the doors on their bars in their place. When I said, far as you may come and no further. Here is where you... Your, your pounding waves halt. That's why when you go to San Diego, it's always San Diego. Because the ocean obeys him. Go ahead. Go to the next one, Christina. And then he says, and then he goes, right, have you entered the storehouse of the snow and seen the storehouse of the hail, which I have reserved for time of trouble and days of wrath and battle? What is the way to the places where lightning is dispensed and the place where the east and the wind scatter over the earth? He goes on and he goes on. Go to the next one, Christina. Next one. Go to the next one. No, no, stop right there. Let's go back. That's good. Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send lightning bolts on their way? Do, you, do they report to you? Here we are. Who gives Ibs wisdom and gives roosters understanding. And he goes on and he talks about animals when they're getting ready to have their babies and all this stuff. He goes on and he talks about that he sees and knows everything because all things are created by him, through him, and for him. Amen? And he goes on and he goes on. Now, Christina, go to uh, Job 4, 40, verse 1. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? God says, you want to straighten me out? You want to correct me? He says, let him accuse God, who accuses God answer him. And then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hands over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answers twice, and I will say no more. You see, when we come to the understanding of who God really is, all of his majesties, it will and must produce a true humility of character and spirit. It must regenerate and change us. Humility is a rare flower. As soon as it wilts, as soon as you notice it, it wilts. If you tell somebody you're humble, you're bragging. Help me. I'm humbly bragging, okay? I am a loser and I'm great, okay? Okay. We need to stop blame shifting. We need to stop fight, fault finding and judging others, especially the world. Folks, the church is not here to judge the world. The world thinks like the world because it's in the world. When I was in the world, I thought like the world. Now I'm in the church, I think like the church. We are to judge ourselves to one another, okay? We don't judge the world. And I see all kinds of people pointing out, matching out how bad people are and, and all their faults and all their things. They're not saved. Why wouldn't they be? If I was not saved today, you think I care about you? Help me, come on. I don't know where I'd be, but it wouldn't be here, okay? And I wouldn't have all these thoughts and concerns for others. The Bible says to love others more than you love yourself. Who can do that? Let's be honest. Come on, help me. Say amen. Give me one of these, okay? Okay. It's not godly when we judge the world. When we write things down about people and everything. You know, one of the Ten Commandments is bearing false witness. You need to be careful. Everything you say and will be held against you. What's said in silence will be shouted from the rooftops. Help me. Come on. It's a frightful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Gotta get going. We must say, for the grace of God, there goes I. We must truly love everyone. Now, Job 42 this is the end right here. We're almost there. Look at this. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to this guy and that guy, I am angry with you and your two friends. So that's one guy from a different place. Because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. They said all those things and they were all wrong. 
Let that scare you this morning. Let it frighten you, okay? And they were all wrong. So now, my, now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourself. My servant Job will pray for you and, and, will, and I will accept his prayers and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. They said, God said this and God said that. This needs to be fearful. And then he says to him and the other guy and the other guy did what the Lord told them and the Lord accepted him. How beautiful. The man that they said didn't know God, God just interceded just interceded for them and saved their bacon, didn't he? Saved their life. Finally, we see the Bible says that God blessed Job more in the later part of his life than in the first part of his life. We see suffering is God's agent for perfection. God allowed Joseph to be rejected by his family, sold into slavery, so God could raise him up and, and have the mighty nation of Israel. God allowed uh, Moses to deliver the children of Israel, all the suffering that he went through. David was called a terror. He walked around for 15 years being chased by Saul. Do you want to be like Jesus? Do you want to be like Jesus? Answer that. Say, I want to be like Jesus. God allowed Jesus to be rejected and suffer and die to produce the church his people, his bride. Amen. Look at 1 Peter 10 to 11 right here. It says, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come searched intently with the greatest care, trying to find out the circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when they pr predicted the suffering of Christ and the glory that would follow. Suffering must always proceed glory in our in Christians. Amen? Amen. Look at Acts 2, 14, 22. Randy says this a lot, but the Lord says Ananias, oh, yeah, 242. When they have strengthened the believers, they encourage them to continue in the faith and remind them that we may suffer many hardships and then enter the kingdom of God. Who wants to enter the kingdom of God? You got to go down the road of hardships. Come on, help me. You know I'm a fun-loving guy and all this stuff, but I want to be real. I want to recognize that when things go bad, all of a sudden, this is his doing. Help me. Amen? Amen. God has allowed the suffering to mature and to complete us. The question is this morning, what do I do with suffering? Do I let it make me bitter or do I let it make me better? Does it make me weaker or does it make me stronger? Does it kill my faith or does it make my faith come alive? Help me, help me, help me. At the end of the day, I must say, I know that my Redeemer lives. Say with me, I know that my Redeemer lives. No matter what comes my way, I remember that nothing can clear, can come my way unless it clears the desk of God. This is your doing. I like to blame each and every one of you in here for all my problems. I'd like to be honest with you this morning. I'd like to give you blame for everything that's gone wrong in my life. Oh, I got a better one than that. I'll just blame the devil. He's easier to pick on, okay? I don't have to look at him, look at him every day like you. But I want you to know, the truth is, he's not omnipresent. He's limited in powers. He's got nothing to do with me, and I got nothing to do with him. I am under the blood of Jesus. Amen. Bible says in James 4, 7, submit yourself to the Lord, resist the devil, and he will flee. What? In terror. It's not a contest. We win. This is not a game. It's not a riddle. I read the end of the book. I am victorious. Help me. All right? Listen to this, John. The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. In the book of Colossians 2.14, it says, having canceled the charges of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. The charges were against Jesus for insurrection, okay? Claiming to be king. And they nailed it on top of the cross, king of the Jews. I want you to know that your charges has been nailed to a door. The charges that you have has been nailed to the door. And having disarmed the powers 
And the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing them over the cross. In these Eastern times, I want you to know that when a king would be conquered, he would go into the city, the conquering king, and he would take the king that was conquered and he would pull out the king's white horse and he would tie him behind the horse of the, the, the king, behind his white horse, and he would parade him through the streets. He'd make a public spectacle of him so everyone would know he ain't the king anymore. He's not over my life. He's not in charge anymore. I have submitted my life to the king of kings. I've submitted my life to the Lord of glory. Amen. And he is able to do all things through me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Louis, come up here right now. Folks, this morning we need to know who we are. We need to be certain that my Bible, your Bible says that. Christina, bring up the, the Romans verse. Know in all things we are what? More than conquerors to him who what? Loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor angels, nor demons, neither present, nor future, nor powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to what? Separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Hug yourself right now. Stand up. shadow of a doubt many of you in here have faced some horrible days we've been with you I remember the day Ben we went to the hospital and one of these boys right here both of them were in a tragic accident right horrible we've been to bedsides with you when your parents have died your sons have died your wife has died bad days things have come into our life that we don't understand things we can't figure out, things that frighten us. But I want you to know today, nothing, nothing can come your way unless the Lord allows it. And as you leave here today, if you don't hear anything else that this rambling idiot has just said, hear this. He must approve everything in your life. You're under the blood. Nothing can penetrate the blood of Jesus. It's unpenetrable. You are safe. You are secure. All of us will go through hardships. All of us will have difficult times. It's part of being alive. Amen. It's part of being a Christian. And so celebrate. When, when, when things go wrong in your life, say, Lord, I don't understand. I don't know what you're doing. I don't have a clue. But I know that you do. And I know that all things will work for the good of those who love them today. Throw your hands to heaven right now. Lord God, we love you today. We're your children, Lord. We are on this planet that's been fallen. It's broken, Lord God. The earth is crying and moaning, groaning, longing for your return. And today, Lord God, help us to wrap our arms around you, around one another, and be good counselors. Be good listeners. Help one another, Lord God. When these things happen, people need help, dear God. They need help, and we need to help them, Lord God. Lord, I believe with all my heart, Lord God, that the great Holy Spirit that lives in us is there to counsel comfort and convict us we're not made to counsel and convict others Lord God we have the Holy Spirit and he is working on us and Lord God let your work be done today now bless every one of these men and women in this room today we love you we trust you bring Randy back next week come soon Jesus find us faithful in Jesus name amen one more thing next week you'll see in the bulletin Randy said we're going to have a man uh, with uh, my daughter Gina who's here today I love you Gina uh, her fiance doctor who's a psychiatrist Dr. Sam um, man named Drew Robinson outfielder for San Francisco Giants hit a home run his first run up in, in major league got full of, so full of pressure so depressed that he squirted a bullet in his head 
He didn't die and he lived. And now this beautiful man, he'll be here next week and he'll be with us and Dr. Zan will be here and we need to be there. We need to help one another. If you know anybody that's struggling right now, you bring them next week. Randy's got a word for them. The Lord will receive them and together we will change lives. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being in God's house today. Have a wonderful day.